Morning, everyone. Waiting for your response. Just kidding. Uh, many things to talk about today, but I want to start today with the oddness of where we're at. Um, it is hard for us not to be together in the church and to uh, be able to worship uh, physically together. That is hard, and I, it's strange. I miss you all so much. Um, Sunday Mass is the highlight of my week, and being there together where we sing together and pray together is uh, truly life-giving for me, and I know it is for you as well. Uh, an author I like, there's a historian, he's actually the, the founder of Christendom College, a guy named Warren Carroll. He says there's never been a time in history where men loved the Mass so much as when it was a crime to say the Mass in Ireland. And I love that line. Right? And there are parallels like that in history. Um, of course, we, we hope for this time to end soon. We hope for the coronavirus to... Uh, to dissipate, to disappear. Uh, but God can use this time. Uh, in, the, in Mexico, when the government tried to destroy Catholicism, right, people's hearts were on fire for love of the Mass. And my hope for you in this time, when we can't be physically together, that this grows a desire in your heart, uh, and it makes you appreciate how beautiful the sacraments are, and what a treasure and gift we have in Christ. Um, truly amazing. Today's readings are super powerful, as always. And the, the woman at the well is just one of my favorite uh, stories in all the Gospels, in John chapter 4. Super powerful. And today what I want to reflect with you on this morning, as you pray in your homes, uh, I want to pray about what does it mean to worship God? What does that mean? And today, Jesus and that woman at the well, they're going to have a conversation about what does it mean to worship? Uh, which is a hugely important question. Um, when you start to learn your faith, one of the things that people who know the faith will tell you is they say, you know, the Mass is, is like heaven on earth. Uh, and if you haven't really come alive yet in your faith, and if you haven't come alive in the sacraments and in the Mass, you're like, seriously? Heaven's going to be like Mass? Uh, painful, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't want to go to the H-E uh, double hockey sticks, but I'm not sure that Heaven, my experience of it, like Sunday Mass, don't know. Uh, but it's true. Heaven is going to be the, like the Mass. The Mass is Heaven on Earth. Um, and today we want to break open a little bit of why that is. Um, God created you and I to worship. Uh, we are made to worship God. Uh, now, does this mean God's just a narcissist, right? Like, I'm going to create creatures just so they can come worship me. And of course that's not true. That's not who God is. Uh, the reason God creates us and calls us to worship him is because God knows that, in some sense, what it means to find joy in life and happiness is to lose yourself. And within the Trinity, right, from all of eternity, the, the three members of the Blessed Trinity, they pour their life into each other. 
right? Happiness is never about the, what the world tells us. The world says to us, you want to be happy? Have everything you need. Have everyone come to you, right? The Trinity tells us the way to find life is to lose it. And so from all of eternity, God the Father is not asking the Son to worship him, but the Son pours his life into the Father, and the Father pours his life into the Son, the world tells us that happiness is about receiving things. God tells us that if we lose our life, right, physically, spiritually, our hearts and our souls, and if we pour those things out, that's how we're going to find happiness. That's the key to life. And that's what worship is about. That's always what it's about. And so today, you know, Jesus starts, and he's talking with this woman at the well, and there's so many fascinating things here. Uh, the woman, we're told, comes at noon uh, to the well. Uh, and that's a very odd time to go draw water. It's the heat of the day. So we know in the ancient world, you don't go at, at noon to draw water. You only go in the mornings or the evenings, because that's when it's cool. And this woman, likely, because just Jesus points out that she has had five husbands... This woman is an outcast, right? She is one who is not loved. St. Augustine, uh, when he talks about this passage, he says that woman prefigures the church. That's us, right? That is us who, we didn't belong to the covenants. We didn't belong to God. We were not the ones who were loved. We were the, the outcasts who came at noon, and we were living an immoral life. And as our second reading from Romans 5 says today, right, maybe if you met a really, really awesome person, a really incredible human being, they might be so amazing that they would die for someone else. And they would die, but they would die for a good person. But Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows forth his love for us, and that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. Amen. Right? So... So powerful. God comes to the well at noon. He comes to meet the church at that well. We who are outcasts, who are not loved, right? We receive the love of Christ in our dark moments. And this woman, she's thirsty. Right? And then the conversation begins, right? And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, she thinks now in the ancient world that living water, what that would mean is water that's moving. Uh, it's not stale, and we all know, right, if you've ever seen stale water, it tends to get kind of gross. Uh, but living water is, is moving. And John here is showing the irony to us that the woman is understanding this on a natural level, but Jesus is going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of eternal life, right? And think about this, right? Christianity, St. Augustine says this. It's so funny preaching to you on a screen. It's so weird. <laughs> anyway, we're never going to do this again in like a month. But what's so powerful about this, right, is that you, all of Christianity, St. Augustine tells us that Christianity is about cultivating holy desire, right? It's about learning to love God with all your heart. It's to feed that desire. And this woman is thirsting for God. And again, in our time apart from each other and in the time when you can't receive the Eucharist, right? Your 
thirst, I think it's so providential, God's telling us this today, your thirst for the Eucharist should be growing. Right? Your heart should be on fire to receive Christ in the Eucharist. And when you come back, when we're back in the church shortly, right, you will receive communion probably in a way you never have before. And so God's going to use this time to do that with us. Very interestingly, and we're going to get to, to worship here. What does it mean to worship God? Ancient commentators, one of the things they say about this passage is they say that Jesus is very interesting. He meets the woman at noon and he asks her for a drink. And that's going to parallel Jesus on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, he's going to mount the cross at noon. And when he's hanging on the cross, he's going to say, I thirst. And finally, right, there's so many connections here. But on the cross, Jesus' heart will be pierced, blood and water will come forth. And the ancient church tells us that that's the moment the Holy Spirit was released to the world. Amazing. Right? Amazing the way this, this passage here in John 4 connects to the crucifixion of Christ. And that living water, right, the living water of worship. Right? And I want to go back to Augustine. So Augustine says that you and I, right, our whole life as Christians is learning how to desire God. Right? It's learning how to love the right things. Uh, and worship is like that. You and I were created to worship. You've heard me say many times, right, coming to Mass doesn't mean that you're perfect. It, the perfect people go to Wash Park and they, you know, shut off their washboard abs and go in there right after this Mass, going to do the same thing. Um, but you don't need that, right? Perfect people don't need God. That's not happiness. Happiness is learning that you are loved. And worship is about that. Now, there's two ways that we could go off the deep end on this, right? There's, there's two ways that we can really fall off a cliff. You and I are made to worship. And so Origen here has a great quote. Everyone worships something. Everyone worships something. People who are atheists, they worship something. Everyone worships something. Here's what Origen says. He says, that which someone cherishes above all else, admires and loves above all, this is that person's God. I hear that again. That which someone cherishes above all else, admires and loves above all, this is that person's God. Did not the error of the whole pagan world have its beginning here? And that which human beings love very much, they want to be gods. Amen, is that true? <laughs> right? The things that we love, we, we, we ascribe divine names to them. Right? And so our sports stars and our uh, Hollywood figures become godlike. And we, we ascribe to them things that really only belong to God. This woman at the well, though, right? She has this thirst. And brothers and sisters, we have, to, we have to feed that thirst for God. So, on the one hand, people could say, well, you know what? Like, that, that, that formalistic worship in the church. We don't need that. You know, and people could go off the deep end, right? We could say on one hand that it's just about 
what happens in the official liturgies of the church. And that it doesn't matter what's happening in your heart. And that would be wrong. Right? Jesus says today, the Father seeks men and women who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? There is something about your life that has to be connected to your worship of God. If you go to Mass every Sunday, if you follow the commandments, but there's something in your life where you're not handing your life to God, something's missing. Right? And, and you know me, I have to have quotes. Balthazar has a great quote about that. He says, Our generation, and he's, it's probably not your generation, but our generation begins to perceive that the evangelical councils, and so poverty, chastity, and obedience, right? Worship isn't just about what happens at Mass, it's central there. That's the most important. We'll get to that in a second. But it's also about how you live outside the Mass. And poverty, chastity, and obedience are ways that we surrender our lives to God. That what happens where Christ gives his life on the cross, that happens in my day-to-day -day life. Right? I pour my life out for him. We perceive that the evangelical councils concern each believer, not just priests, not just nuns, every one of us, who desires to attune his own heart to the pulse of the church. What does it mean to worship? Right? If you're a guitar player like I am, if you have a string out of tune, Balthazar talks about how your life, your heart, your soul has to be put in tune with the heart of God and the heart of the church. Each believer who desires to attune his own heart to the pulse of the church, not only in the objective performance of the cult mystery, which is the Mass, and that matters, we'll get to that in one second, but in the liturgia, so that's a Greek word, of course. Liturgia is the official worship. Right? It's where we get the word liturgy. And it's one of the words for worship in the New Testament. But Balthazar says that we can live liturgia, we can live worship in the service of our whole life. Lastly today, the flip side of this is sometimes people think, well, I love God. My heart is on fire for God. I have that thirst. Father Brian, I, just like Augustine, right? Uh, I know that my heart is restless until it rests in God. I know that. So why do I have to go to Mass? And here's why. Right? And, and ironically, while we're praying in our homes, but unite yourself spiritually to the Mass, here's why we have to do this, is because you on your own can't reach God. You can't do it. The reason the Mass is the center of all Christian life, forever has been, forever will be. The Eucharist is the beating heart of the church because you, on your own powers, and me on my own powers, I can't worship God the way he deserves. The way that we worship God is only in and through Christ. What the Mass is, right, the Mass is Calvary made mystically present. Right, the perfect worship that has ever happened of God was on the cross. Is that Jesus... Love the Father perfectly on the cross. All right? He was poor on the cross. He was chaste. He was obedient. And he laid his life down for the Father in the perfect sacrifice for all time. So when we feel good, you know, and I know some of you are like, can't we just go to the mountains and, you know, we'll have Matt sing and we'll, you know, I don't know, sing around a campfire. Can't we worship God that way? Um, that's a good thing. And um, if I had more time in my life, I would go with you. 
but I don't, so don't ask. But uh, I would love to do that. That sounds amazing, but, th- but that isn't enough. The only pure worship of God happened on the cross. Uh, and so today, as we're away from each other, as I know you're at home and you can't receive the Eucharist, brothers and sisters, may you thirst for Christ the living water. May your thirst for the Eucharist increase, as may mine. Right? And as we worship God to the best of our ability, may our hearts long for him, uh, and may we rejoice all the more uh, when we are back together in the sacred mass.